Welcome back to The Hustle Podcast. Today, I'm very excited to be here with Katie Deal, VP of Design at Lyft. We've been trying to coordinate this for a long time, and I've, I've just been so excited for this conversation. Hey, Katie, how's it going? Great, Anthony. So good to be here. So lovely that you're able to chat with us. I know you're busy at home as a new dad. Congrats, and so excited to be chatting with everybody. Yeah, me too. I know that the last time we tried to do this, it, it didn't quite work out, but a lot of people have been pinging me asking, when is that When is that episode going to be ready? So uh, <laughs> I think people are really looking forward to this. Nice. I have, you know, when I do these episodes of the show, I, I normally, it's usually a casual conversation, but I'm just, I'm just so excited to talk with you. I have some prepared questions for you, but before we get going, I, I thought it would be great if you could just take a moment to introduce yourself to our listeners. Cool. Happy to. Well, hello, everybody. As Anthony said, my name is Katie Dill, and I lead the design team at Lyft. I am based here in San Francisco, and our design team is a an awesome group of different disciplines like research, design, which is UX, UI, industrial design, illustration, animation, uh, design producers and content strategy. Uh, we all work under essentially one roof, minus the fact that we also have folks in New York and probably soon things like Nashville and Seattle. Mm. But our group is a part of just about everything that Lyft creates for our uh, passengers and our drivers. Uh, we try to deliver a great product that's you know reliably great and an enjoyable thing to use so that we can have a real impact in this world and improve transportation and cities at large. My background is, you know, in some in many ways similar to other designers where I, you know, kind of learned about design late in life. I went to uh, college and I studied history and then only after did I learn about design. And I went to school for industrial design actually, uh, but still then my kind of design expertise evolved into many different ways and eventually I was working at a company called Frog Design and then working with VCs and startups, uh, helping to build businesses brand strategies. And then eventually I was at Airbnb doing a job similar to the one I have today, uh, overseeing a, a portion of the design team. And I was at Airbnb for about four years before I joined Lyft one year ago. That's awesome. I, I really appreciate you taking time to be here. When I met, I met you for the first time at Epicurrence, and I didn't really know what to expect going into that event, but I was listening to the, the interviews you were doing, and I thought, wow, I have, to, I have to meet this person. I'm so glad that we've made each other's acquaintances. Likewise. Even just like the few short times we've talked, I'm really inspired by you. And I actually hope that we can sit down and have a glass of wine or a meal someday. I'm curious, like what what kind of history were you studying and what kind of history are you interested in? Yeah, you know, I, it stupefies me that, you know, we didn't actually have to specify. I was just a history major. <laughs> no, <laughs> no particular focus, which is crazy to me being how much history there actually is. But yeah, I studied at uh, Colgate University in upstate New York, which is a small liberal arts college. And history was just something I was very interested in. I just wanted to know why things are the way they are. And so I, you know, no other reason than that uh, went and majored in history. It wasn't until I was doing a study abroad in Florence, Italy, that I actually felt started falling in love with architecture, which was kind of uh. like my entry into getting excited about design. And uh, once I was a graduate from Colgate, I you know, was starting out to look around for jobs and I wanted to get into architecture. And the more architects I talked to, the more I realized it probably wasn't the right thing for me. 
It was you know, very clear that a lot of folks were frustrated by the timelines that it took so many years to get something accomplished. <laughs> and yeah. me, a highly impatient person that I am, I was like, hmm, maybe not. And that among other reasons. Uh, but, you know, just kind that, of serendipity. That's interesting. I, I, it's, it's, it's interesting because I'm, I, I study design, but I'm thinking about going to school or at least at night classes to study history. No way! That's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> I'm 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 looking for. I need some new hobbies and stuff. You know, not I love what I do, but like I'm I, I am very passionate about history in general. Anyway, n- enough about me. Yes. Um. I want I want to know what an average week or day looks like in your world, hmm. in your organization. Yeah. Like, uh, what's, yeah. What's what's it look like? Yeah. So for context, you know, Lyft is. I, I'm not sure whether we're, we're small or big. It really kind of depends on the way you look at it. But, you know, we're, we're several thousand people now. Uh, we're about, I think, 4,000 people now. And we are working on so many different things at once, right? So we, as you've probably seen in the news, you know, we're, of course, ride sharing. And we have many different mm-hmm. types of vehicles and different ride types you could ride in. But we also, in the last like, six months, um, have become also a bike and scooter company. Uh, we're mm-hmm. also working on transit integration. Uh, our main goal is to you know, improve transportation and make it easier to live in cities and make cities about people and not cars. And so that does mean that we have a, a number of things we have to figure out in terms of making multiple modes of transportation you know, more enjoyable for folks. And so we've essentially got a lot of stokes in the fire. And so that means for me, my week is it's pretty busy. I uh, I have a, a team of over a hundred folks that are all working on different things at once, and you know my priority is to make sure that that team is, you know, happy, healthy, and and productive, and you know doing the best work of their lives. Because if they are, that means all sorts of good things for for Lyft yeah. and for the world. And so I I spend a large portion of my time thinking about, you know, how our team is situated, how are we working, how are we working with our partners, how are we making sure we're super in touch with our users, how are we growing, do we have the right people in place, the right leaders, are uh, every individual on our team developing and, and feeling that growth? And, you know, I absolutely enjoy the work itself and love to see what people are working on and give feedback. But I am am by no means interested in in seeing every pixel we work on. It's more about kind of setting the standard for our team at large, getting the right people in place and, and making sure everybody has a clear understanding of where are we going? What is our vision? What are we trying to accomplish? What, what do we see as our kind of principles for how we actually deliver on that work? Um, and those things are my responsibility. And so that means I spend a very large portion of my week, admittedly, in meetings uh, because (laughs) a lot of that happens through talking to people um, and Mm -hmm. seeing what they're up to and hearing from them. You know, it's a mix of one-on-ones and, you know, design shares and group meetings um, and then, you know, strategic meetings with, you know, my, my partners and the members of my team. So I I do find it quite enjoyable. You know, I, I know not everybody enjoys spending the majority of their day in meetings. Uh, but for me, I do find it energizing and a really productive way to get things moving forward. Uh, that's awesome. I can relate to that, but not at the scale that you're at. Like, I'm, I'm doing that with about 20 people. I can't imagine. You said your design org is about 100 people. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. Got to have a lot of good, good captains. Mm-hmm. Yes, great folks. I want to just reiterate what you said, like, you know, good people doing the, the best work of their lives and how much of a difference that can make. 
if you know, like if it wasn't for you know companies like Lyft, my mom who's blind wouldn't would have a completely different kind of life. You know, she she lives in a rural, not rural, but a, a, real, a small city that doesn't have any public, really have any reliable public transit whatsoever, and she's completely blind. But you know, she's able to like get around town, and it dramatically changed her, changes her life. That now she can like go to the grocery store and stuff like that. It's really really amazing. I also want to tell you, since we're talking, like I am so impressed with Lyft's customer support. The I just cannot believe how great it is. Like you know, you know, things happen, things go bad. You leave your wallet in the car or something like that, and like Lyft's customer support is so on point. Like it's just like I think that was the first thing that just made me say, okay, this is the company that I'm working with. They're just on. Like it just feels great, and it also. I don't think most many people understand that. Like they, they may think of like, you know, the kinds of products that we work on just being the consumer facing like experiences, but there's so many different aspects of like what makes a service like Lyft go, including all of those things like what happens when things go wrong, you know, like when you have a bad driver, or when you have a bad rider or when you there's a payment problem or I really do think there's like some, you know, a lot of really complicated things that your team's working on. Is there any one thing Lyft is working on that you're the maybe more excited about or mm. that really excites you right now? Picking favorites now. I uh, There are a <laughs> lot. There are a lot. And and first of all, that's awesome to hear uh, about your mom. I'm so glad to hear that. You know, that's definitely a, a big priority for us is making sure that this is a platform that, you know, brings mobility, you know, to where it's not today in whatever form that might be. And I also am, am glad to hear that you've had a good service experience. Uh, we do really take pride in, in getting the details right. And I, I don't think we want, you know, our, our primary offering to be like the best support in town. But frankly, you know, it's definitely got to be, you know, the, you know, well, of course, we'd love for it to be the best support in town. We just would love more importantly for you not even to have to use support. Uh, right. But we're very glad to hear that. I think the uh, stuff that I guess I'm, I'm super excited about is, you know, as I mentioned, we are now also a bikes and scooters company. Uh, we have um, scooters on the ground in Denver, Santa Monica, and D.C., and we are working uh, now with Motivate. Uh, we're acquiring Motivate, uh, which is the largest bike share company in the United States. And with that, you know, we, of course, you know, now have a, a really large and exciting part of our business, which is about this kind of personal transportation. It's a super efficient and really enjoyable way to get around. And, you know, if, if you're living in cities where you might have seen these, you know, there's just so much opportunity there. And there's opportunity to make it even better so that, you know, bikes and scooters are integrated well into cities and become an asset. And we are uh, really excited about all the aspects of that. And in particular, personally, as I mentioned, uh, my background is in industrial design. And our attention on industrial design and our efforts in industrial design have, have increased dramatically as we are investing in this space, as well as autonomous. And I'm just so excited to have, you know, so much work now happening in that space. That's just near and dear to my heart and my history. Oh, that's, that's awesome. Do you ever find yourself wanting to, I know it's really hard and sometimes it's not, it's often not the right thing for a leader to be, you know, two hands on. Cause if you're two hands on, like other thing, other bigger picture things aren't happening, but do you ever find yourself wanting uh, to work on any of these, uh, these, uh, these cool projects? Uh, that's a good question. I think, 
you know, probably pretty early on, actually, in my design career, I realized that I get way more joy and fulfillment out of the kind of uh, actions and impact that people around me can have that I can help to make them, you know, or position it to happen. And so, yeah, I think while I love to be close to it and understand what's going on and and have ideas on the table, et cetera, I, I know a lot of times there are people around me that have even more talent than I do. And I am in a unique position where I can, you know, help position that so that they can leverage those great skills, get something out of that experience and learn from it and grow. And I just find that so much more rewarding. So it's not super hard for me to kind of battle that demon of like, oh, I just want to be in there. I just want to be doing it myself. Uh, just because I'm just so, so thrilled by seeing great work around me. You know, I have this really funny thing. I don't think I've ever told anybody this out loud. But uh, when somebody does something really amazing, I have this strange, like, physical want to just, like, give them a hug. Like, that is amazing. I'm just so, so excited to see what you can do. Obviously, in the workplace, I have to, you know, hold that back. Uh, but it's just I, I feel it, like, quite viscerally that, I you know, Somebody succeeding, somebody being excited about what they accomplished just makes my day. It really does. Yeah. It can almost bring tears to your eyes, right? <laughs> like, I, I think that's so awesome. I don't, that's, that's awesome that you realized that when you did. I struggled with that, honestly. I, and I think it was kind of a fake assumption. Like, I felt, oh, yeah, I've been designing for 20 years. And then when I started this company, I found myself designing less and less, building teams, designing less and less. And for a while, I felt really, uh, sad or maybe even depressed that I wasn't close mm. to the work because I assumed, oh yeah, like I'm in a different journey. But then when I when I really looked back at say maybe the last ten or fifteen years, I realized that I really wasn't doing as much of the work as I thought I was. I was surrounding myself with people that were way better at the stuff than I was, and then I realized, oh crap, like building of design teams mm. and all this stuff that is that's an that's an awesome design task. It's not the same as designing a screen, but it's like even more important, right? Yes. Which is a good segue into like this next bit. Um, I think what you're saying is perfect. This quote from you from a Fast Company article says, when I first learned about design, I immediately thought it meant making something, making a product. But we're not only designing objects, we're designing strategies, we're designing teams, we're designing the way we work. That's where I learned that design is actually something far broader. So that's awesome that the people that you work with have a leader like you to work with that like truly understands and embraces. this. So I have a few questions around this. Why do designers choose to go to Lyft? There's no, any number of reasons, of course, that could you know, pull somebody into the, the particular subject matter or the, to the team. However, I would say that the one thing that everybody here shares in common is uh, the same passion for our mission. Uh, everybody here wants to have a positive impact in the places where we live and in, in cities and the environments around us. I Definitely a, a story near and dear to my heart as well. When I first started talking to Lyft as a company to join and, you know, I was very much in the mode like, I'm not looking. I don't want to go anywhere. And I had one conversation that, you know, just one enlightened me to what Lyft was up to. I think beforehand I thought, oh, Lyft is just rideshare. But I didn't recognize that, well, if you follow that line through and if you imagine more and more people using rideshare and all these different modes of transportation, you know, at one point you'll have this kind of hyper-efficient connected network and then you don't need – 
quite as many cars on the road. Cars only need to be where they're needed at the time. Today, 96 percent of the time, cars are parked. They're taking up, in some cases, 50 percent of the city, you know, cities that are already crowded in downtown areas. And if you don't need all that, you only need cars when they're actually in use, that, that's a huge improvement. If you get more people into fewer cars, you can use, obviously, less of them. If you get people into bikes and scooters, you can use even less of them again. If you could get people into buses and trains in a way that's actually, you know, easy to use, then, you know, all, all of these things get better. And you just start to imagine the city where there's not parked cars everywhere, but instead parklets and parks and, you know, people walking around and having a good time and connecting like humans. And that is a area of interest for every single one of us in this building. Every single one of us believes that needs to change. We need to get to that world and that lift uh, can help to make that happen. Wow. Yeah, that's awesome. I mean, again, like I was kind of saying earlier, like a lot of a lot of people probably don't aren't don't really think of that, right? But you have the ability to transform cities and transform the way people interact with those cities, and also like help people that like my mom who normally can't get around cities, like actually be able to get around cities. And I think when you when you can when you can deliver at that level, like all these things just make life better for everyone. Mm. Hmm. Absolutely. So, uh, you know, you're in San Francisco and you work for Lyft and, you know, there's a lot of talent in the Bay Area. Lyft is a, you know, very popular company. I'm sure you have a lot of, a lot of candidates, a lot of options. How do you guys and gals determine who to look for and like, you know, make sure you're getting the right sort of skills, DNA and, and identify whether they're a good fit. And then when you bring them on, how do you onboard them and set them up for success? Mm. Mm, oh, many, many good questions packed into there. Well, I guess, you know, at a high level in terms of what we look for, uh, you know, we, we have to ask ourselves, like, all right, well, what are we trying to do and, and what is necessary to, to do this? Uh, so, one, we have a strong belief that great things come from great diverse teams. So diversity in every way, diversity of skill set, diversity of thought, diversity of background, you know, gender, demographic, the, the, the works, like people that come from all different walks uh, are things that we try to build into our team. And that has, you know, done well for us in terms of creating products that, you know, are technically smart, that are, you know, business smart and that are doing the right thing for users. So we um, have teams that each are led by a kind of like triforce of product management, engineering, design, and plus on top of that, research and data science, et cetera. So these things are really important to us. And so if those things are so important to us, then a critical part of the things that we look for in people are you got to be a great collaborator. You got to be a great communicator. You got to have empathy for those around you, not just, you know, empathy, of course, for our users, but also empathy for your teammates. You might not be an engineer yourself, but the more that you can uh, respect and, you know, seek to understand what an engineer thinks, uh, the better you will you'll work together. And so that's an important part of it. So we look for that empathy in the, in the people that we look for. Secondly, we we have a lot we need to get done. There are just so many things that we want to do, and uh, we see the the impact that we can have, but we know that there are many steps that have to be taken to get those done. And so we also look for people that are really proactive and are you know e- eager to go out and solve the problem, not just the problem right in front of them, but the one around the corner. Uh, and so you know, kind of that just like you know want to problem solve and take action is key. 
And then lastly, you know, of course, uh, a, a level of craft that, you know, is, you know, uh, meets our very high standard is, is critical as well. Uh, we look for people that are going to bring something that amplifies the efforts of others. They've got a, a great skill that, you know, is going to push forward the overall team and the overall work. And so it might be, you know, you're an amazing illustrator, or you might be an amazing interaction designer, or whatever it might be. Uh, but we, you know, seek out those, you know, kind of exceptional skills, uh, and, you know, enjoy bringing them onto our team, because they help make everybody better. And I guess to your question about how do we onboard and then work together, you know, onboarding, you know, I guess you have to look at it in two ways. It's like, one, we want you to come and join and and be a part of Lyft. So we obviously need to communicate, you know, this is what it means to to work here. Uh, But I also think and this is something I'm very proud of about Lyft is that there's nothing about it that we are, you know, dogmatic about like this is Lyft and you will do this, you will drink this Kool-Aid and if you don't act this way, then, you know, you, you can't be here. Actually, I think, you know, Lyft is really good at embracing the kind of diversity of thought and diversity of perspective and I very much want people to come in and help to shape what we do and help to improve what we do. You know, we're, we're by no means have we figured it all out. You know, we have a process that might work today, but as we grow, it might not work anymore, and we need new ideas to how to improve the way we do things. Uh, so I very much hope when folks on board with us, they they take what they can from what we share, which is you know our core values, and you know understand the different parts of the business, and, and get you know uh, more comfortable with understanding our passengers and our drivers. Uh, but then you know bring their their special sauce uh, and you know change it up a little bit with us too. Oh, that's awesome. Thanks for elaborating there. So you've also said that great design thinks about the business, the planet, the users that are going to be impacted by those decisions. And to your earlier point about empathy, I'm curious, um, how do you get your designers to be thinking about the business, the the planet and the users? I have, I have a lot of I have a few questions about this, but I'm just curious about how you guys manage that at a high level. Well, I think one thing kind of going back to like, what what do we look for in the team is you know, it's important for folks, you know, to realize, especially with a company like Lyft, is that, you know, we pixels are just a, a small part of the equation, right? Like we're hiring designers, we're hiring, you know, interaction designers, visual designers, or folks that do both or in, industrial designers. But the, the real product, the real experience is actually 99% offline. You know, it's somebody standing on a street corner, it's somebody sitting in the back of a car, it's a driver with their hands on the wheel picking up a stranger. Like all of yep. these things are the actual actual experience. And so it's not just like a nice to have, it's a, a absolutely critical thing that we hire people that think beyond the pixels and think, think beyond the atoms and think about what that experience is adding up to. And so that's one. And we look for that in, you know, in their portfolio of work and their uh, the way they think about problems and the way they, you know, kind of handle design solutions. But beyond that, you know, every business is slightly unique, and you know, our business is actually extremely complicated. You know, it's a two-sided, in some cases, three- and four-sided marketplace, and there's a lot of kind of things at play. And then every city that we're in is different, has different, you know, kind of constraints. Uh, sometimes it's mountains, sometimes it's government, sometimes it's weather, you know, whatever it might be. And so there's just a lot you got to wrap your head around. And so we also try to make sure that people are, you know, on the job learning. Uh, we 
We want people to get out in the field, experience it, experience it as a driver, experience it as a passenger, talk to passengers and drivers, uh, you know, work really closely with data science and PMs and, you know, kind of learn you know, their language and the things that they're you know, interested in and working on. And you know, I think the more we give those kind of like windows into, you know, other ways of thought, it, you know, kind of helps designers bring that into their thinking too. It's just, it gives me so much joy when, you know, somebody's pitching a design and they're like, yeah, and we think this is going to make a big difference, you know, in this city because of this, this, and this, or, you know, I know this is going to work well versus that because, you know, the drivers I've spoken to, et cetera. So we, we kind of just prioritize uh, gaining insight uh, beyond your own work as a, a method for getting things done. Yeah, I, I, that's, this stuff is big. You know, I, I, every designer, every team is, is different, but I, and I, th- th- there's been a lot of uh, conversations and articles and Twitter back and forth about things like this that I've been really thinking about lately. Like the question of like, are we truly being empathetic to the people we're designing for? Or are we like in the bubble and like designing for other people like us? You know, like mm-hmm. the way someone thinks about calling a car in Austin, Texas or in San Francisco is going to be diff- completely different the way like someone thinks about this in like rural America or say like countries where like cars can't even get into like big complicated like mar- market centers and stuff like that. Like mm-hmm. I, I, it's like it's a big thing. Like I think, you know, like, you know, some companies have the money and the ammunition, the power to sort of really pour, you know, pour effort into you know, traveling to these locations and doing proper research and all that. And some companies don't, you know, like, hmm. and, and I know for a fact that at the, at the consultancy level, you want to be empathetic and you want to get out and you really want to like see, you know, like how people are really using this and the environments that they're really using it. Sometimes like you can't do it because like there's no budget, right? And it's like, mm-hmm. how do you get over that hump, right? How does, yeah, um, yeah it's, it's, it's tough. I'm, I'm curious how you guys do that. Like how does Lyft design for these like very, different cities? Great question. I think it's, you know, you're right. There definitely are real limitations to budget and, you know, money doesn't grow on trees and it can be tough to to get out uh, across the world you know, all the time. But I do think there are tons of hacks. And I'm, I bet, you know, if you just even like tweeted a quick question, it's just like, hey, how do you, you know, gain broader user insight, you know, on a cheap budget? be a million ideas. You know, I think there are right. things that you can do digitally. I mean, there's so many different kind of platforms nowadays, usertesting.com. You could, of course, do things in like Facebook and Twitter, and you could just kind of get out there digitally would be a thing. Uh, you can, of course, even just, you know, what is in your vicinity that might be different than your immediate area. So for us here in San Francisco, you know, what's happening in Fresno? What's happening in Sacramento? What's happening, mm-hmm. you know, Santa Clara or... Or Santa Cruz, like these are, you know, you can drive to them in an afternoon and gain insight that would be different than, you know, across your neighbor's yard. So there's definitely cheaper fixes. I recognize it's sometimes not the same as jumping on a plane and getting there. I, you know, absolutely would prioritize, you know, being on the ground in the place where you're trying to build for. Uh, But I wouldn't discourage anyone. I hope no one's discouraged by, you know, the limitations to give up. Like there's just, you, you got to kind of start getting crafty, I guess. Yeah. I think what you're saying, what you're saying is just, just do something, right? Like, <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah. <laughs> you, you could, you know, you could do, you could do nothing or you could do something and, you know, something, I mean, like, you know, we, we live in a very connected world. We can, we can connect with people globally. We can use tools like Skype or Google Hangouts or, 
or even like WhatsApp and phone and, and the internet, right? We yeah. have, you know, I think sometimes people get, get overwhelmed by these things and, the, and it starts to end, uh, sort of hinder them. But like, really, there's a lot of different ways to, to do this. Like if you, if you really want to know, there's, there's ways to find out. Yes. Well said. Just do something. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Just do something. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, exactly. <laughs> Yeah, I, uh, I think awesome. the first thing is that, like, you know, the first thing is a mindset is that you just have to recognize that, you know, when you're making assumptions and, you know, just start right off the bat to, you know, kind of push those assumptions aside and, and know that, you know, you, you just don't know until you know. The way a, a city might be is just, you know, you, it's so hard to see that doing research from afar. And, you know, when you get out there or start talking to people that live there, you start to learn things that, you know, might be really telling about the differences. You know, like New York, we got skyscrapers. It makes actually GPS much harder. In Colorado, same thing. You know, we lose connectivity more often than we do otherwise. And so product features that you may have designed, assuming perfect connectivity is... I mean, it's frankly just unrealistic anywhere, but in those places, it's exasperated. And so it's really important to get that insight. You know, a funny thing with scooters, what we're learning in, in every city, it's different as well. And some, they require that you ride on the sidewalk. And some, they require you do not ride on the sidewalk. So, you know, you have to, you know, Dig yeah. in and find that out before you, you know, ship 500 scooters to somewhere and and learn the, the hard way. So we we send people out. We get, you know, folks that live there. We get the questions answered. We talk to cities and policy and and you know the police officers and we we try to learn as much about the situation before we go in there. That's awesome. Uh, just a kind of kind of a side note on that. Like I was I was driving to like a happy hour after work one day, and I saw two. They, they looked like middle schoolers, maybe maybe high schoolers, on scooters, some other company scooters, and they were they were doing a like a left turn on a red light, and I and then for a minute I I, I start asking myself like, do you need a driver's license hmm. to ride these things? Hmm. Like I was thinking about that. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I guess every you know like different. You, you, that's maybe an example where you know states have different laws. Right. Right. Or you yeah. Know, yeah. Yes, yes. There, there are, and I think every state, there are, or at least everyone that we've encountered thus far, there are minimum age requirements um, and uh, driver's license is required. But in, in different states, uh, it may be different as we go. But yeah, it's, it is an interesting thing. And it can be tough, of course, like for the user experience, especially when you're designing a platform that works for people that travel, you know, recognizing the fact that you might be in Austin and then you come and visit me and we're going to go out for a glass of wine and you come to San Francisco and now the, the laws are different here. And so we also have to try yeah. to ease that uh, for people that are, you know, moving on through the platform and make it easier for folks. Yeah. It's, but it's so awesome when you think about like the, this age that we live in. I mean, you and I, when we grew up, like we didn't have this stuff. Like when I, when I lived in New York City, I mean, I did, there wasn't even, there was no Uber, there was no Lyft, there was no, like there was yellow cabs and, and the black cabs and the black cabs you had to call and negotiate a price with like, Oh, well, you know, how much to get to this neighborhood? And you'd have to negotiate with them on the street or, you know, like, uh, it's so awesome to think about like how, how, man, how awesome it would be to be uh, a kid again and be able to just be able to hop into a, a lift or hop on a scooter and get around town. Mm-hmm, uh, it just, mm-hmm. It's just an amazing world that we live in right now. Oh, yeah. All right. A few, a few more questions for you. I mean, we, the audience that we have is, a, is, you know, there's a big good mix of 
designers, people that are freelancers, people that work in in house at uh, tech companies. I have a, a couple of questions for you because I think uh, these are some questions that I get asked a lot. So if you don't mind, I'll shoot those at you. Yeah. What do you think that in general internal you know designers and internal teams do better than you know the agencies or freelancers struggle with? And also, what do you think agencies or consultants or freelancers do that internal teams sometimes struggle with? Mm, oh, such a good question. I feel like I have maybe three or four drafts of an article that I've wanted to write on this forever and I've just never done anything with <laughs> because it's such a good question and it comes up all the time. And I remember when I was in design school, you know, nearing graduation, the topic du jour is always like, are you going to go in-house or agency? As if there were literally only two options, which I guess in some ways there are. It's frankly... There, there's a lot of positives and negatives on both sides, and they probably equal out to, you know, it's just what's best for you. Let's see. So for agencies, you know, I think some of the benefits are, you know, you get to work on a lot of different things. Oftentimes, you're surrounded by, you know, a disproportionate number of people that are maybe in the creative space as well. So I'll use the example. I worked at Frog Design for five years. And there, you know, most of the people that work at Frog are creatives, designers, or you know, design technologists and then strategists and, you know, kind of design producers, et cetera. And so you're, you you feel very much among your own kind of people in many ways, quote unquote, and you get to work on just so many different types of things. And a lot of times companies hire agencies to take on kind of this like edge work, the blue sky, help us understand if this is an opportunity type of thing over here or over there. So you get the benefit sometimes if this is the type of thing you're interested in, you get the benefit of this like blue sky exploratory work. But the negatives of these things is, of course, you know, you're always a little bit removed uh, from that company that you're working with. And sometimes that means that you're not able to really understand the implications of the ideas that you're proposing. You're maybe not able to even actually share as many good ideas as you possibly could because you just don't know what that company is capable of. You don't know as much about it. Uh, So sometimes your ideas are just a little bit more wrong. Uh, you're also not able to see things through. You know, a lot of times you're you're coming up with these brilliant ideas you're so excited about, and they're like, awesome, thank you so much, and they take the work. And then, you know, two months later, something happens, and they find out that that idea won't work quite as it had been articulated, or something changes for them, and they're not able to actually see that idea. And then you wonder, why didn't it ever ship? And it's like, well, if you had been there, perhaps you could have tweaked it and evolved it to, to make it go forward. But you weren't because you were you know, on the outside. And I do think there's also yeah. some negatives about like switching around from project to project is that you, you don't get to, again, see it through and develop an expertise. And so the, the flip side of all of that, of course, is if you worked in-house and you can see things through, you know the company inside and out, you know the opportunities, uh, the negatives of it might be is that you don't get to, you know, play with the fuzzy stuff on the blue skies quite as much. But frankly, you should be pushing to make that happen and make sure it's happening somewhere in your company. And, you know, if you bring a kind of consultant mindset to your company, sometimes you get almost can pull the best of both worlds. And, you know, I think that's for me something that I, you know, have have felt I, I have gotten a chance to do. My five years at Frog was like almost like a design education. It was incredible. But then I could bring that kind of skill set. Uh, into my work in-house at Airbnb yeah. and, and now Lyft. And I feel like I, I, in many ways, get the best of both worlds. It's great. I'm, I'm also trying 
to do best of both worlds thing too, maybe a little bit selfishly, but <laughs> you know, like um, I've been around for a while too. And I, like, there's no doubt about it. Like there are plenty of opportunities for both in-house work and agency work. Mm-hmm. I, I know a lot of people that are owners of, of agencies, but the, the problem is that they're, they're worried so much about things going in-house that they see it as like, uh, like a diminishing of like the role of the, of the agency in the, in today's world. I don't see it that way at all. Mm-hmm. Like I think that any any company that's spending, you know, significant amount of time and energy on investing into design and building in-house teams, like it means they take this seriously and it uh and it means that they, you know, while they're growing or 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 maybe even all the time, mm-hmm. like they're going to need, you know, teams need to rely on a combination of both in-house and out-of-house partnerships. Now, the role of the agency, in my opinion, has dramatically changed, right? I don't know if you would agree with this or not, but I don't, I think the age of like, you know, definitely without a doubt, the age of an agency being, you know, having better ideas or smarter or whatever and, and lobbing things over the fence has gone long time ago, right? Mm-hmm. Like that's just, that, that ship has sailed. <laughs> if you want to work with companies, there's a way to do it. But you, you like, to your point, like it has to be different. You have to you have to collaborate more. I, and I don't, I don't know, like, I'm also glad that I came from like traditional agency background as well, because I learned certain tactics for doing design that I think sometimes, sometimes internal teams, designers and internal teams don't know, like how to do like certain kind of mood boarding exercises or selling design. Cause like in an agency environment, you're selling design constantly. Mm. Yeah. I think they're, they're, you know, it, it means like breaking down those barriers. Uh, I'm trying to, we're trying to get the best of both wor- worlds here at fun size by, by making by trying to find a way to to do what you were just saying is a problem like being around long term it is very hard to take responsibility for the design decisions you make if you're just doing a project and you're gone mm-hmm. but if you can be around for a year or two or longer and you can be like a, a part of that design team i think i think you can start you like you're not a w2 employee but i think if you're around like that amount of time you can and you know what's going on, you can uh, be more impactful. Oh, totally. Yeah. And, you know, I think it used to be like when I was talking about like leaving design school, a lot of the in-house companies, like quote unquote in-house companies, they didn't have design on staff. And so a lot of times it it did feel like you were the only designer if you joined. Uh, But now designers are in these companies. Like there's designers at Intel and IBM and Citrix and the companies that, you, you know, you hadn't thought of them there before. And so when, you know, working with an agency, the dynamic has changed greatly because it's much more of a partnership, as you're describing. Um, And so I think there's benefits all around in this regard that design has a new seat at the table within these companies. And so it's it's a more enjoyable place to work if you want to be in-house. But it also means if you're, you know, working at an agency in a consultant role, you also – you almost have like an army on the ground inside. And so you have a lot better chance of – you know, having a lot longer of an and a lasting impact. Yeah, it's just it's just a different world. I, th- I think if people can realize this, you know, if they can really truly understand the way that the industry is going and you, you use that to your advantage, it can be really awesome. I mean, I, I mean, I'm just being completely humble here. Like the number one issue that companies of all sizes face right now is hiring. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's it, right? You're a startup. You're trying to figure out when can we hire our first like designer or design team, mm-hmm. right? And to to do this stuff on our own and autonomously mm-hmm. to, you know, enterprises that are, you know, onboarding 10 designers a week. I mean, it's a, it's the number one problem. And you have to re- just be humble enough to, to realize that, I think. It's a great problem. A few of uh, Fun Size members wanted me to talk to you about this next, next topic. 
Fun Size is we're a female owned company. We're most everyone on the team is a minority, and we're about sixty percent female in totality. Almost all of our applicants are women, and at the forefront of looking at you know doing portfolio reviews, like there's a significant like almost everyone is uh, female these days, and like there's um, I, you know I you know like I, re- I read articles about how the you know the design industry is is lacking female representation. I just don't see that because we're maybe, maybe I'm just you know I'm. I'm in a very different environment. I'm working, you know, mostly with with uh, f- strong females. Uh, but I'm curious, like, what your thought on this is, and I'm. I also want to know, like, what your advice, what advice you'd have for female designers and leaders out there, just in general. Yeah. If there's anything you want to share, well, that is awesome. By the way, I love to hear that about fun size. Totally, I'm such a big fan of the company, and you know, you all have such great talent, you know, whatever gender they may be, but it's awesome to hear that it's, you know, part of that success is that strong diversity and care for, you know, people that just do great work. So yeah. kudos to y'all. Cheers. Yeah. And, you know, for us, it's kind of the same. We we care deeply about this. And, you know, I'm, I'm very proud of our team that, you know, we have strong diversity. I feel like we, you know, could especially as we grow and we get into more and more areas and more and more places, uh, you know, this is never a, a done thing. And so we're continuing to invest in uh, the team um, inclusivity and in increasing the diversity of our team. I think, you know, for folks in general and just, you know, how we could see this, you know, continue to improve across the industry, I am heartwarmed to see that there are just so many exceptional women out there, people of color, people of, you know, all different types of backgrounds, um, LGBTQ. I think there's just they're brilliant people everywhere and awesome to see that, especially over the last couple of years, um, the, the limelight has been shifting more and more to highlight these people that have been doing great work all along that just were somehow yeah. not getting as celebrated as they should have been. But I just don't think we're there yet fully. You know, there's still just a, a gap. And I, I, I think it's a, it's a matter of time. I think the right things are in place for sure. But I do think we all have to take a part in kind of holding the door open for each other. And so, you know, women out there, you know, we we know what, you know, it maybe have t- has taken to get us into the positions we're in. Like, for example, you know, I definitely feel you know, overjoyed that I, I get to, you know, sit in this leadership position working with these exceptional people. And I know that I, you know, couldn't have gotten here without great support from others. And so I want to kind of pay that forward as well. And I think that means in some cases, you know, investing your time and and getting out there, being a mentor, uh, participating in talks like this and being seen. You know, not every one of us, you know, wants to sit behind a microphone or sit on stage. I get that. And, you know, sometimes it's, you know, I've always been outspoken, I'd say, but still it's sometimes hard to have the courage to do it. But honestly, it's just a reminder to myself of like, well, you know, if I do it, am I, you know, maybe going to help to inspire somebody that looks a little like me or, you know, was not courageous themselves and saw me be courageous with that help. And so I do think of it, you know, in that regard, that just getting out there, even though it might not be your, your preference, uh, it may help others. Uh, so hopefully, you know, that's just a, a thing that over time more and more happens. And then, you know, next thing you know, it's, you know, more of a regular occurrence that the limelight is equally shown on, on all Yes, to, to all of that. Yeah, I mean, you know, you have to hire. You have to hire great people. I, I I don't know. Like, I guess I don't know. Like, maybe 
maybe we attract a lot of diversity because we, you know, we talk about it. Like we understand that good design is table stakes, but we actually over here, we, if we had to choose, we, we were going to choose people over skills mm-hmm. because we feel like we have the right team and learning environment for, to teach some, some skills and to grow that. But like the, like way earlier in this conversation, you were talking about how, how have all having people of all these different backgrounds and, you know, industry experience and, and all kinds of different levels of diversity to really like brings a lot to the table. And, you know, and that's what we're trying to do. Maybe we're, we're tracking that, but yeah, I, I think it's, uh, I think it's, uh, I think it's awesome. Yeah, that that is great. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's an important thing for every team to think about is like, you know, especially it, you know, people ask about how do you ensure that you have, you know, a, a truly inclusive process for hiring. And I think the number one thing to do is to, you know, understand what you're looking for. Like, what are the things that you are must-haves for the individuals that you're going to hire into the team? And what are things that, like you talked about, can be coached and learned on the job? And if you get real clear about that and the people that are participating in the hiring process are all clear on that, you're going to do a much better job of, of finding people in a, in a fair way way and, you know, bringing on some folks that maybe you, you know, could surprise yourself of like, oh, I, I wouldn't have looked at that company to find somebody to work uh, on our team, but they actually meet all the things that we're looking for, as opposed to starting with, you know, some sort of like picture in your mind about like what company somebody comes from or what background they come from or where where they live. Uh, it's got to be about the, the skills or about the things that you, you know, see as must have qualities uh, uh, for you know the folks on your team, I want to be respectful of your time, so I'm just going to ask you one more question because uh, I know that you you're busy. Much higher level question: What would you consider success in your tenure at Lyft, and what kind of legacy would you like to leave behind as a designer, as a design leader? Hmm, what a great big hard question to end us with. My oh my, my legacy. I. The first thing that comes to my mind as you say that is that I just I want to have a positive impact on people. I would love that, you know, at the end of the day, at the end of my life, whatever it might be, at the end of time someone worked with me that they, you know, they enjoyed it and they thought they got something out of it. Uh, that would be huge. And frankly, if that were to work, if that, you know, at my time at Lyft had a positive impact on the people around here and that they felt that working with me helped them, then I have all the, you know, feeling and confidence in the world that Lyft will have a really great impact in this world. Uh, Not because I'm, you know, anything special or superhero, but like there's just so much great talent here. And if I can just like help in any way to amplify that talent or, you know, just help people, you know, come together in a way that's more productive, then holy crap, nothing can hold us back. Because there are some really incredible people here. And it's literally just about like helping to get things out of their way and, you know, lift them up to do what they do so well. That's, that's so awesome. I the more I talk to you, the you know, the the more I get inspired, I I feel like you and I have so much in common. And that's such an so so amazing. That's so incredible. Hmm. That's and I, I think you're doing that. Like, you know, I, the one time I met you, I mean, it's, it's hard to say, like, we don't know each other that well, but like the one time I was in your office and I saw the way that you interacted with your team and the way they interacted with you and, you know, smiling faces and all that. I think it's like, it's just so apparent that that's, it's where your heart is. I, I think it's so amazing that, um, that you look at, that you look at things this way. And I'm, 
Uh, it's been such a, uh, a pleasure to speak with you today. Thank you so much for your kind words, Anthony. I really appreciate that. And I totally agree. I think we have a lot in common. I love the way that you talk about your team and what you've built and you and your wife have built. It's, it's awesome. You're great leaders and a, a fantastic company that you have there. Thank you. Thanks for doing this. Thanks for inviting me on. Yeah, next time we're in town, we'll have to get a meal or something, uh, or at least have a, you know, maybe we can share war stories another way. Um, <laughs> Absolutely. Until we meet, just uh, don't be a stranger. And uh, for people that are listening today, how can they connect with you or uh, Lift Design? Yeah, absolutely. We, um, Lift Design, we have a blog on Medium, so you could just look up Lift Design. We are also, you can find us on Twitter. Uh, me on Twitter, I think I'm at Lil underscore Dill, uh, but I think if you just search my name, you could probably find me. Yeah, always happy to continue this conversation. Thanks. Awesome. Thanks for making time. Thank you. Uh, thanks everyone for tuning into the Hustle Podcast, and we'll see you next time. Cheers. Take care. Bye-bye. Hustle is brought to you by FunSize, a digital service and product design agency that works with inspiring teams to uncover opportunities, evolve popular products, bring new businesses to market, and prepare for the future. Learn more at funsize.co. I'm Natalie, a partner and design director at FunSize, and thanks for tuning in.